indulging the indulgence of the flesh. This is talking about legalism, really. These extra rules we put in, he says, those don't help. They're not going to help the indulgence of the flesh. Maybe you've experienced these people who they become very legalistic, and so they don't drink or any of those things, or the title of the sermon, don't drink, don't smoke, right? Don't listen to rock and roll, don't go with girls that do. Um, but, but then they look down on others, right, that do those, those things. Uh, the second example, so the first one is, is eating, right? And so alcohol would be part of that, food, all this. The second one is clearly the Sabbath. It's talking about certain days. So some people will view, and here, these are probably Jews for the most part, converted to Christianity. What do you do with the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath was in the Jewish law, observed that day. Well, the law is is gone. And so we're not required to observe the Sabbath anymore. So, but that's what, one of these examples. It's the person who views the Sabbath as something special, great, let them. The person who doesn't, great, let, let them. There's actually some real wisdom in the idea of the Sabbath. You know, that was put in by God really at the beginning. God rested the seventh day. So there's some real wisdom in the Sabbath. If you don't have a Sabbath, I would encourage you to do that just for the sake of, of your relationship with God. But it's not, again, one of those areas of, oh, this day is special. This one's not. You know, people will view Sunday as, well, it's a special day. You can't do certain things on Sunday if that's how you feel great. But if somebody feels different, great. The problem is that in these matters of conscience, the two groups are looking down on the other side as less holy or godly. That's kind of the issue. Verse 10, right? We see verse 10. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? He's basically saying, stop it. Verse 4, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? That's kind of the point that he's getting to here. We stand before God. Why are you judging somebody else? They stand before God also. Let God be the judge. I don't know what it is about us Christians. Sometimes we really like to be the, the judge of one another, right? We like to look at each other and you and you, you. He's saying, stop that. Stop that. They will stand before God, whatever that looks like with them. Now, real quick, we're not talking about sin. These are matters of conscience and opinion. Where it's clear sin, we are called to call that out. Not just to anybody, right? Somebody in relationship. Uh, in Matthew, we see basically the boundaries for uh, church discipline, where somebody is, is walking in sin, the way you go to them for the purpose of restoration. Uh, in Galatians and even James, we see these ideas of bearing one another's burdens. Uh, in Corinthians, we see the, the sexual immoral person that's just boldly walking in their sexual immorality. Church, you need to deal with that. Call it out. And if they won't repent, you need to remove them from your midst. So we're not talking about sin here. Sin, we are called to confront one another lovingly, right? Not, not the, this, but, but call it out and then support one another for the purpose of restoration and health. Here, this is very clearly looking at the person, right, um, with just a matter of opinion. So look at verse 13. It says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Stop it. But rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Again, therefore, therefore stop judging one another. So here, here's the question. Who has the greater responsibility? If we go back to the beginning, there's the strong in faith and the weak in faith. Who has the greater responsibility in this? Duh, the strong in faith, right? The mature believer should joyfully set aside their freedom for their love of a brother or sister, right? That's what maturity is. So if you wonder where you are maybe in your faith, maturity is not even looking down on, on the person that, maybe is legalistic, you look and, and you feel love for them, and so you'll will, willingly set aside whatever it is that might offend them for their sake. Now, let's make one point clear as we look at verse 14. It says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. In Christ, we are free to enjoy life until we are clearly in disobedience to Scripture. There's a lot of freedom in that. In fact, this is one of those that kind of stick. I, I love that. Elsewhere in Scripture, we see uh, writing to those who are rich. It says, you know, those who are rich, share and enjoy what God has given you. I mean, God has created this pretty awesome earth with some pretty awesome stuff for us to enjoy. You know, we're going to be looking at creation in a couple weeks. But, I mean, in creation, God made everything for us. I mean, he made it for his glory, but, but he also made it for us. Cold water. Yesterday, 80 degrees, awesome, right? Nice ripe shirt. I mean, all this, he gave us these wonderful things to enjoy, and we are free to enjoy this. Bacon, bacon's great. I don't know how the Jews did it, you know, going without bacon. Bacon's delicious. We should enjoy bacon, right? So can a Christian enjoy beer or wine? Absolutely. What does scripture say about getting drunk? Don't get drunk. So, you know, where is the limit in there? I mean, that's going to be up to you and God to figure out what, where that is, right? Um, but getting drunk is clear. Can a Christian enjoy music? Absolutely, unless it causes you to sin, right? So there's, again, there's some wisdom and discernment in there of what you can listen to. When I was in junior high, I had a cassette tape. So I'm not that old, but it was a cassette tape. And I had my Walkman, right? And I would go, you know, and I would listen to Offspring. I had this Offspring tape. It was great. And I'm listening to Offspring, and I'd get to the end, and I'd flip it over, and I'd listen to the, uh, you know. And then one day, I flipped it over, and was like, wait, it's not, and I rewound it. There was like a hidden song that if you listen, and then you flip, it was a horrible song. I mean, it was like cussing off. I heard half the song, and I pulled it out, and I crushed it with a rock. <laughs> right? I mean, because for me, and that was actually kind of maturity for, I guess, a junior higher. I heard that. And I'm like, I can't listen to this, right? This, this is causing me to sin and think, wait, ah, and so I, maybe a little bit extreme, you know, I felt really righteous before God, crush it with the rock and go throw it in the dumpster. But for me, that was the right choice, right? Um, again, these are non-revelatory issues. These are conscience issues. And with that, we have all kinds of things right now, right? Parents, homeschool your kids, public school, private school. This is one of those areas where we're trying to make wise choices. 
But these groups tend to start to look down on the other groups. I can't believe those people would send their kids to public school. How stupid is that? I can't believe those people are homeschooling their kids. They're going to grow up not knowing how to speak to people. Right? I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've heard all of it from all the groups start looking down on the other. Well, stop it. Right? We need to make wise decisions with discernment, and we don't need to judge one another in these areas where it's not clear. So we're free, right? That's the point we saw. We're free to do these things, but that freedom can turn to sin two different ways. Verse 14. It says, I know I'm persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So the idea here is if you are not fully convinced something is okay with God, for you it is sin. Right? So, so if there's something and you're like, I'm not sure this is okay before God, then for you, you should abstain from whatever that is. That is righteousness before God. That is doing what hopefully will glorify him if you're not convinced. So, right, if here, one of their big things was uh, meat sacrificed to idols. So it was a pagan area, right? I mean, people were sacrificing to all these false gods. And the one strong in faith is like, well, meat is meat. That looks delicious, right? And they can eat it. The weaker in faith is like, well, that was given to a false god, which is actually a demon. I can't, uh, right? And so that person in faith should abstain from that. And then obviously the person who feels free to do it shouldn't, you know, be cutting into it in front of that person, just enjoying it <laughs> and offending them. Verses 15 through 19, I love these verses. The kingdom is not about our freedom to eat and drink, but about loving one another and fostering peace, joy, and upbuilding others. I love that. Maybe you've seen this or experienced this. The person who, maybe they grew up legalistic or, or whatever had that, and then they realize their freedom in Christ, sometimes they can go too far, right? Or we can go too far in that freedom and, and flaunt it, right? Oh, I am free to do whatever I want. Don't judge me. Look at, you know, drink, whatever it is. That, now you stepped over freedom into a lack of, of love, and that's really the concept we're seeing here. We're supposed to be loving one another, fostering peace, joy. You see, this is really all about our relationships to one another, which is a big deal. You know, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Uh, I got to speak briefly at the IF conference with uh, one of the pastors of LifePoint, and it was kind of neat. We were talking about this concept, and, and I really wonder, you know, what if one of the reasons why you know, Nevada, northern Nevada, has so few believers is churches have been so divided all the time. What if, what if this one thing, we become more united just as believers, what if that alone will speak to the world around us about the truth of Jesus Christ? Verse 20 says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We who are strong have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Again, this passage is clear. The strong in faith make the first move and don't flaunt it, right? The strong in faith isn't like, well, I'm not going to do this because you're weak in faith, right? You just, you just set it aside. You just don't do whatever it is that's going to offend someone else. 
True strength of faith leads the mature to be willing to set aside their freedom for the weaker brother or sister. Again, graciously. I'll I'll be honest, as I went through this, it's like I I got things in my past popping up where I just did this wrong. Um, (laughs) When I was 18, so legal smoking age, I was 18, I was working for my dad, I was on one of his crews doing, you know, concrete work or whatever it was. Um, And if you've ever been around construction, um, they're kind of gruff, right? Gruff, rough crowd, and, and, uh, you know, my dad was the boss, and he was not around a lot, but he would stop in, and and, uh, he was on his way in, and and one of the older guys is like, oh, hey, when your dad gets here, smoke this Swisher Sweet, you know, this little cigar. I'm like, well, I have the freedom to, to do it, right? And he's like, let's see what your dad does. And I asked my dad about it over the past couple weeks. He's like, I don't remember that event at all. But, but I do remember we're standing in a crowd, and, and he's, you know, he's telling us what to, whatever it is. We're talking, and I pull it out and light it. And I'm just, you know, and it was gross. Um, but, I, but I'm just doing it to see what he'll do. And, and he see, and just kind of ignores. And I keep doing it, and, right? And, he, and then finally he just turns. He's like, how's the smoke going? Eh. <laughs> but, but, I mean, why, why do that, right? Testing him, see what he's going to do. Um, or I was, I was new on a church staff, and, and there was a, we all went out to eat somewhere, and I got the beer sampler. And part of the reason, I like beer, but I also, I was curious about the legalism in the group. And so I wanted to see people's response. Well, that was just stupid, right? That was just selfish. That was about me. That wasn't love. I'm going to test their legalism. Come on, what is that? Right? So as we look at this, again, the strong, the mature, just avoids those things, right? And sometimes it's a simple conversation. Maybe you've been in a group, right? And you're like, should we have beer or wine? Just talk about it. No big deal. Somebody who struggles with it or has had a past, don't exercise your freedom. Love that person, right? Don't put a stumbling block in front of them. That's what this is talking about. You know, in 1 Corinthians, it says, knowledge makes arrogant, but love builds up, right? Just living in our freedom can make us arrogant, whereas love builds up someone else. You know, I, I, uh, I recently learned a new word, um, adiaphora. <laughs> it's a weird word. Go look it up. It's Latin. But there's some de- denominations that, you, you know, that word is this Christian freedom. But we've heard some of them using it like, oh, Scripture's not clear about cussing. And so I can cuss all I want. I'm like, hey, watch your mouth. Adiaphora. And, and then, you, you know, it's one of those, they're using it as an excuse to offend others. So, I mean, that's one of those, if it offends, and, uh, you know, language, it offends almost everybody. <laughs> and so that's one of those areas where in love, we watch what we do. And that's the next point. The law that governs our decisions is love for one another. That's the law. So... If me listening to Pantera offends you, I'll turn it off. But Amy Grant offends me, so turn it off. <laughs> right? right? Um, we have the freedom, but again, insensitivity to one another. So the title of the sermon, can I drink, smoke, and listen to rock and roll? Well, if it doesn't cause you to sin, probably. Now, there's some wisdom and discernment in these areas. I think smoking is one of those. Is that allowable? Well, Scripture doesn't talk about it, but it does talk about self-control, and it does talk about not being mastered. So I think addictions are one of those, "Mm, are you addicted to something? Well, that's going to be kind of tough. You're going to have to wrestle with, is that faithfulness or not, right? But some things are not clear. 
If you can enjoy what God has created without sin in your actions or causing another person to struggle or stumble, go for it. Right? Go for it. In love. As I was kind of thinking through how to, how to wrap this up, I wanted to wrap it up in that. The idea is love. Let's just love one another. Right? So it's a pretty simple passage. It's a pretty simple chapter of you're free to do what you want, but don't cause another to stumble. But one of the things that I noticed that, that I drew out is just the idea that God created these things for us to enjoy, right? So the person who eats, you see this at the beginning here, the person who eats does so to the glory of God. because The person who abstains does so to the glory of God. It's all to serve him. He's given us all these good things to enjoy. And as we enjoy under our new covenant, do we pass on the thanksgiving to God? Right? Whatever it is, you know, music, drink, food, you know, a, a nice raw steak with bacon wrapped around it. Oh, man. <laughs> but do we enjoy that and then pass on the thanksgiving to God? This is a beautiful place that we live. It really is. Yes, sin has broken the world, right? But it's still the earth God created, and it is wonderful. So we're going to move to worship now, and we're going to move to uh, a response of communion. And communion is when we remember Jesus' death and resurrection. We're remembering that, that new covenant that he made with us, where we are right with God, not through our actions, but by Jesus' death and resurrection. And so one of the things we like when we get to worship is participation. You know, uh, worship is not a spectator sport. A lot of times it can seem that way, right? We all sit here and we watch the, the music team, right? We sit here and we watch the preacher, this is a time for us to get up and move around. That's why we have communion in three spots here, here, and there, so that we get up. Yeah, and we know it's crowded. We know we rub shoulders, but that's cool. It, you know, I mean, that's part of participation in worship. We also have our prayer walls over here. You can get up. You can write a prayer. You can write a thanksgiving. You know, just participate in your worship. If you want to sit there and just think, great. If you want to stand up and raise your hands, great. Uh, if you want to sing, great. If you don't, great, whatever it is, but we want to participate in thanksgiving and enjoy for what God has given us. Let me pray. God, I thank you that, uh, that we can remember your death and resurrection through communion. God, that as we take the cup, remember your blood spilt for us.